start recording. If you have your Bibles with you, if you can turn to the book of James, we're going to be continuing our journey, uh, which we're now sort of three, four weeks, it's the fourth week, uh, working through James chapter one. Um, we've been thinking about listening and hearing already this morning. I have a question here for the children, actually, and I would love your input here, kiddos. You're all at school now, aren't you, all of you who are here? What are the ways that your teachers get your attention? So in the middle of a lesson and you're all doing your own thing, what are some of the things that your teachers might do to get your attention? Eva, what do your teachers do? She just stands still. Just stands still and waits. Does that work? <laughs> Does it work? No, not really. Any other strategies that teachers have? Lena? Fantastic. Did everyone hear that? So the teacher would do a little bit of a tune, and as soon as it caught the kids' attention, they finish the tune, and then the teacher knows, ah, I've got you listening. What about someone else? Isaac, what does your teacher do to get your attention in class? What do they say? Or what have they said in other years? Yeah, it's? One, two, three, look at me. Yeah, so what the teachers would say, one, two, three, look at me. And it's something that just engages the kids and it draws their attention back. So, you're, you're right, did you want to say something as well? Yeah? What does your teacher do? I have two teachers. You have two teachers? No. Do they do different things? Yeah, what does your other teacher do then? To get your attention. Mrs. Dunt. Yes, what does Mrs. Dunt do to get your attention? You can tell me afterwards if you need to think. Hands on top. Oh, that's okay. That's a good one though. Hands on top. That means stop. That means stop. Okay. So the teachers, they have all these strategies, don't they? Um, of how they get you to listen. But why is it important that they have your attention? Yes, yes. Know what you're doing. Fantastic. So you know what it is that you're meant to be doing. So they'll have these strategies to say, actually, I need to make sure that I know you are listening and engage with what I am saying. Thank you so much for your help, kiddos. I'm going to employ some of those, maybe in church, maybe at the start of a meeting, when it's time to draw everyone in. Hands on top. That means stop. Yeah, let's do it. No one's going to want me to host a meeting ever again. Right. You'll see. Why we're talking about listening and thinking about listening so much this morning. So in James chapter 1, let's pick up from verse 19. We're going to read through to the end of the chapter. So it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. 
Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. One of the things that we're hopefully that we're finding as we're working our way through James is that James is actually fairly practical in the instructions that he is given. Because I think James realises that left to our own devices and left to our own ways, often our default is to do things that actually go against God's best for us or aren't actually in line with how God would have us live. And James deals with a lot of areas of, of what does life look like? What does the activity of life look like? And we've come to this part of his letter, this part of his instruction and encouragement to the church, where he's saying, actually, we need to really be thinking about how we listen and how we speak. And he starts by saying, actually, uh, every person, not just one or two, have you noticed this through James? He addresses each one, each person, when you are tempted, every person, and we've seen that the way through. And he says, each person, be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. And again, I want to put it to you, the reason why James is having to bring this is because left to our own devices, we often have things the other way round. And that is not the way uh, that we are uh, naturally left to ourselves. There's um, a fairly well-known expression or saying that goes something along the lines of we have two ears and one mouth, some would say that means maybe we should listen twice as much as we speak. Generally, the principle being that actually there's something helpful. I don't know, there's nothing scientific particularly about it, but it's a helpful reminder to us that actually proportionally we should be those who listen more than we speak. Or as James puts it, we should be quicker to listen than we are to speak. But good listening is actually quite a skill. I think it's something that we have to work at. Some people actually are very good at listening. It, seems, it almost seems to come naturally to them. But I think for, for many of us, actually, it's a skill that we have to learn, that we have to be very intentional about, which is why James brings it up here. We need to be those who are quick to hear, quick to listen, and then slow to speak and slow to anger. Being a good listener means giving someone your full attention, not just half listening. I tell you what, one of the things I know I really need to work on this. Steph will talk to me about something. And even partway through, I'm like, Steph, you need to start again. I'm going to be honest with you, I have not listened. And I'm like, I would rather own up to it than down the line be like, I have no idea what that was and maybe I should have done something. But it's very easy not to listen well because we can be distracted by many things, can't we? These things that I've got in my hand, phone actually can be a big hindrance in being good listeners because our attention can be so split. We can be having a conversation with someone or we can be trying to engage with someone or someone, no, someone could be trying to engage with us and yet our attention is perhaps on other things. Actually being a good listener and being those who are listening well means actually we need to put aside distraction. We need to give someone or something our full attention to be able to do. Actually also means taking time, not being so quick to jump in. There can be a temptation, can't there? I feel like actually I've got something that is quite helpful. I feel like maybe I should bring that. Yes, there are times where it's good to speak and to give advice and to maybe have some input. But actually, we need to be fairly slow with that compared to how much we actually listen first to what is going on. 
I, I remember, this was years ago in my life, but it's clearly stuck with me, and for good reason. When I was at university, I was on the phone to my girlfriend at the time, and she'd had a really bad day with some of her friends. And she was sharing what was going on, and me, I was trying to be helpful, and I tried to just, just try and have some input into terms. Well, maybe this was going on, and maybe, you know, this and this. And she said, she said, I, she said stop, I don't need you to fix it, I need you to listen to what I'm saying. And that was, what, 20 odd years ago, so it's, and that was stuck with me. Actually, is it a man thing? I just said, yeah, maybe we can be, we want to bring, and I think it comes from a good place. We want to fix something, or we want to bring comfort, or we want to help, but actually, maybe we're better off listening before speaking. And actually, there's much that we, we, we do need to, to consider uh, in that we need to be away from distraction, we need to give people our attention, we need to actually listen to what is being said. Sometimes there is a place to speak, but sometimes actually we just need to, to not. We just need to hear. And this is, uh, and this is true in all, in all relationships, in all of our interactions that we have with people. And actually when we're slower to speak, we probably find ourselves regretting fewer of the things that we say. Maybe we get in less trouble because of the things that we say, because we've actually allowed ourselves that time to listen and to think and to, to, to kind of rest in that before we speak. But then James says as well, actually, we're to be slow to anger. And I think he's showing us this process here. Actually, if our first instinct, if our first, the place we go is to be those who listen first, the process will be then we're slower to speak and therefore we're slower to get angry. And we need to make this distinction. I'm not going to spend long on this, but very quickly, we need to make this distinction. Actually, not all anger is bad. We see Jesus himself got angry. We see in a couple of occasions that's recorded in the Gospels. God himself gets angry about that. But this is an anger that is about justice and, and seeing injustice overthrown, isn't it? It's about anger that comes from people being harmed and the vulnerable being taken advantage of. And so actually we're not saying don't get angry about things, but this kind of anger that James is talking about is something that's born out of haste, that's born out of frustration, that's more than often born out of pride, Something has happened that I don't like. It's offended me. And so it's our pride that leads us to a place of anger. And James is saying, no, we need to be those who are slow to get to that place. And the kind of anger that we see Jesus demonstrate in the Gospels, I think was that, it's that he wasn't quick to get to that point. But it was the point had come where something had to be done. But actually the kind of anger that James is speaking about, he's saying actually this isn't godly anger. It doesn't lead us to anywhere good. Oftentimes it leads us into sin and regret. But actually if we're those who listen first, there will be times to get angry. But when that comes out, it's, a, it's a, 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 an anger that actually is fruitful and actually produces something good out of it. But as I'm saying, being quick, this kind of principle that James is saying, it's true in all relationships. But we have to bear in mind, if we only think about this in terms of how we engage with other people, I think we're missing the main point of what James is saying. So we need, when we're with others, we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But where have we come from up to this point? James has already in this letter spoken about the fact that we will face trials and we will face struggles. And then he was speaking about how we, all of us, will face temptation and how we're to handle ourselves within that. He's not just suddenly jumping to a brand new topic about how we use our ears and how we use our mouths. He's not. He's following on. Because what happens in trials and in temptations, we can do the opposite of being quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. It can be the opposite way around. 
We can be slow to listen, we can be very quick to speak, and we can be very quick to get angry. And so actually, what James, you, you know, we can be quick to complain about what is going on. We can be quick to, to question God and to be disgruntled with God. In our frustration, we can allow our situations and temptations to lead us to a point of anger. And we can, it might express itself through anger. And so actually, I think what James is saying here is in relation to God and how we engage with God and how we engage with his word through all seasons is that we're to be those who are quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, allowing God time and space for his word to come and bring change and to shape us and to actually lead us through trial and to lead us through temptation. So yes, be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger in how we are with other people but also in how we engage with God and his word and what God would say to us. Because James says, actually, what does James say? He says, um, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. A little bit further on, he says, receive with meekness the implanted word. So actually, this is about how we engage with God's word. Do we allow God's word, do we listen? Do we allow God's word time to speak? Do we allow it to shape us and to change us? Do we allow our frustration with God or with what he, we feel like he's allowing to happen to us actually prevent us from allowing the word to change us and to shape us and to help us? So in terms of listening, I think in one sense, this kind of listening that James is calling us to, being quick to listen, in one sense it restrains us. So this kind of listening restrains. It helps to bring a level of control and just in terms of processing things well and what we're going through well. I was having a conversation with Eva the other day in a car. We were listening to some Christian songs and we were talking about how important it is that because we learn so much through songs, songs stick with us, don't they? Years later, how important it is that we make sure that the songs we're singing are songs that are full of things that are true and things that are good because we want to be holding on to those things, don't we, that are good. Not things that will cause us worry or, or kind of lead us down wrong, wrong paths. And I was reminded this week of a song from my past, which many of you may be familiar with, and I'm gonna ask you to join with me if you know it. So may I invite you to stand, if you, if you want to, if you're able, please stand. And if you know this song, join in. If you don't know it, join in anyway. Steph, can you come and maybe help with some, do you know, make some actions up? If you don't know them, it's fine. Maybe we can ask someone that really knows it. Yeah, anyway, the, this song is about the wise and foolish builders. You know, this is taking me back to my childhood in church, okay? So some of you might know this, others of you might not. I am gonna, I'm very reluctantly gonna sing, but everyone else, I'd like you to sing with me. And if you know the actions, uh, or whatever actions you know for it, you do your actions. If you don't know, then Steph's gonna have a go at some actions. Maybe you might wanna copy her. I'm using the excuse that I'm using a handheld mic, so I can't really. We can do the excellence. This is the wise man built his house upon the rock. If people know this, if you don't know it, just enjoy it. Uh, and do it. You ready? So, please do not leave me singing on my own. That's oh, okay. So, are you ready then, Steph? Oh, you're watching them as well. Well, I don't know. I need some help, like Jenny. Does anyone actually know the actions? Mike, yes. Yes. Mike. Okay, are we ready? But I want you not just to enjoy the, the novelty of this, I want you to listen, listen to what is we are singing. Okay, you ready? The wise man built 
built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. And the rains came tumbling down. And the rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. And the rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. Well done. Take a seat. Mike, I'm grateful for you. Well done, everyone. And I know that was a bit of fun, but first, that took me right back to my childhood. And I took Mike right back to his childhood, clearly. And, you know, for many of us, it's fairly familiar, but it, that song is based on words that Jesus himself spoke. We were thinking just a while ago, weren't we, about what are the ways that our teachers might get our attention and some of the things that our teachers might say. Jesus himself was known to many as rabbi, which means teacher. He was teaching people about what it is to live a life that is godly. About the, the, he taught people about the kingdom, of, of the kingdom coming and what it meant to be a part of that kingdom. And this Jesus, this teacher, one of the lessons he, he shared, we find in Matthew 7, uh, and verse 24 to 27. He says that everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the floods came up and the winds blew and beat on the house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell flat and great was the fall of it Jesus is talking about what are we building our lives upon how it is possible to be someone who hears, but is not changed. It's possible to hear, and yet what we're hearing, not to have an impact in our lives. We are to be those who don't just hear, we must also do. Jesus said that about his words, didn't he? Do what I've told you to do, otherwise you'll be like that person who's built their house on the wrong Foundation. Let's give this a go. Can we put Eva? Can you put that down on the floor? I'm gonna. This is my chance to really embarrass myself. This is Eva. Let me jump. This is a wobble board, and it's good exercise for your abs, apparently. So you're meant to. Oh, good abs. No, not good abs. Right. So this is sort of what can you see. It's sort of like being someone who uh, is building on dodgy foundations because we might hear what God is saying to us, but we're not doing it. I'm actually doing all right by myself at the minute, but Steph, I don't trust anyone else to do this. I'm going to ask you to do it. No, it's not that I don't trust you, my love, but you are. Can I do it? Can I do it? You can do it at home when we get home. Right. Steph, I want you to be like the rains and the winds 
I'm getting panicky already. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That wasn't much of a rain, was it? Oh, oh no, not, not tickles. Just look, can you see what happens? As soon as challenge or trial, you are challenging me. As soon as that comes along, what happens if we're not building on the right foundations? Is that actually... We fall, don't we? And so, we'll make that available for anyone at the end who would like to have a go. Hey, no, that's my one. But it's just such a helpful picture. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. It's possible, it is absolutely possible to be a hearer of the word. And yet build your life on the wrong foundation. And to build our lives the wrong way. We're not to be those that hear, we must also do. I love actually the picture that Jesus uses. In my mind, when he's talking about someone who builds a house, we're talking about actually what is the life that you're building. What foundation are you building your life upon? Are you allowing your life to be challenged and shaped and changed by the word of God? And this is James's instruction to us. If we only listen, we deceive ourselves. So the question is, what then are we building? How are we building? But what might prevent us from being doers of the word and not just hearers? Here are some few thoughts that came to my mind. Maybe we don't do what we hear because we're afraid. Because we're afraid of what it might look like to actually be obedient and to step out and do what God is calling us to. Maybe we're fearful of the impact that it will have on our life or how it might affect how people see us or view us or how it might affect other people. Maybe it's worry, which is similar to fear, isn't it? Worry can come out of fear. Maybe we don't do what we've heard because we're worried. Maybe it's something that makes us, we don't do it because we're uncomfortable with it. Actually, it means making a change in my life of something that actually I'm fairly comfortable with. I quite enjoy doing this, but I know God's word says otherwise, but I can hear it and I know it, but I'm not going to do it because I'm comfortable where I am. Maybe we don't do it because it's costly. It might mean a change in how we use our time, or it might mean having to let go of certain things. It might be something costly in terms of our, our finance. It might be costly in terms of lost relationships. Maybe we don't do what we hear simply because we don't like what we're hearing. God is saying this, either through the word or through the, the prophetic or just through we know him speaking to us. As we spend time with him, we know God's putting a finger on us, on, on something on our lives. And we think, actually, I'm not going to do it, not because I don't know it, but because I don't like what I'm hearing. There could be many other reasons, but there were just a few that came to my thoughts. But James is very clear to us, if we are those who hear but do not do, then we deceive ourselves. And actually, we don't want to be those who are deceived. We want to be those that live in the truth, don't we? And James uses this other really helpful picture of a mirror, of someone who looks in a mirror uh, and then intently looks in but then walks away and forgets instantly what they've what they've seen and what they look like now back in the time when james was writing not everyone you wouldn't really have had mirrors in the same same way that we do a mirror would have been a bit of polished metal so you would have got some idea of what you look like and this is maybe a bit of an aside but as i was thinking on that this week it struck me so many people in history probably didn't really know what they look like it's like, that's just a really weird thought to me. Just because we, we, we're all well too aware, aren't we, of what, of what we look like as 
there's glass everywhere, and even if you're walking down the street, you see your reflection in, in a window. But so, isn't that weird? That unless someone was perhaps looking in water at a reflection of themselves, they might never even have known what they look like. That's just, there we go. This was a very odd thing to me, that most of history has been like that. Um, but, so James is talking, they would have understood, actually, it would have been a polished bit of metal that they would have been able to look in and, and been able to see something of what they look like. And why do we look in a mirror? We look in a mirror primarily to see, is there anything that needs changing or adjusting? Do we? Do our, does my outfit look good? Yes. Me and Karen wearing exactly the same colours today. Our outfits do look good. But, or, you know, actually, does my makeup, is it alright? Or is there a mark here or something that needs changing? And then as we look in the mirror and see it, the purpose of that is that we then change it, don't we? If we see something that's not quite right or that needs changing, then we do it. But James is saying, actually, it's possible to be like this person who looks in a mirror and they see everything and then they walk away and they don't do anything about it. They've forgotten what they've seen. And he's using this picture of, like, actually, that what it, that's what it can be like when we engage with the Word of God in that we look at it and we see, ah, something needs to change. God is calling for something of change or in my life. And yet, as soon as we put the Word down, we walk off and we don't... We're like that person who forgets what they look like. We're like, I'm just going to carry on as I was. So I see that there's something that needs to change, but I'm not, I'm not going to do anything about it. But we're to be those who actually, when we know that, that the Word is speaking to us, that when God is speaking to us about being shaped more and more into the likeness of Jesus, more and more in line with the, uh, with the kingdom of how he's called us to be, we need to be those who do it and put it into practice. Otherwise, we're like someone who looks in the mirror and walks away and actually forgets what they look like. found Tim Keller super helpful on this as well. He says um, that actually James calls us to be those who, uh, who look into the, into the law, we look into the word and we persevere with it. He said it's like actually we take that mirror with us wherever we go and in whatever situation so that our reference point, the first place we look is we're always coming back to the word. We're always coming back to the word of God. Actually, what does God say? about this. What does God say about who I am? What does God say about the life I'm meant to live? So it's like we've, we've constantly taken this mirror around and actually how we see ourselves and how we understand ourselves comes primarily through what God says rather than through anything else. And so we need to be those who listen to God's word. We do that when we're gathered together on a, on a Sunday, don't we? We do that when we're gathered. A big part of what we do is we, we want to dive into, into, the, into the scriptures. We do that with others, maybe in, in growth groups or small groups or times with like discipleship time with other people. We engage with the scriptures, don't we? We engage with God's word and we kind of work through what is it saying. But we also do so on our own. It's so important that we have our own times and our own discipline of, of being in the word. Searching the scriptures, allowing God to speak to them through his Holy Spirit. But James doesn't really say much in terms of practical guidance here. Did you notice that? He says actually we're to be those that hear the word, but he doesn't say, well, you can do it in this way, or in this way, or in this way. He's more concerned about the posture of the heart rather than the practical outworking of what hearing looks like. He's like, actually, what is the state of your heart in this? What is the state of your attitude in this? Because he said to us, hasn't he? He says, receive the implanted word with meekness with humility, not with pride. But when we receive something with meekness and with humility, we're saying, in a way we're saying, do what you need to do. Shape me 
in the way that I need to be shaped. Change me in the way that I need to be changed. When we approach it with, with humility, we say, I don't, we're recognising, I don't understand it all, I don't know it all. Actually, I'm going to allow the word of God to be the thing that shapes me, rather than allowing myself to be the one that shapes the word, which can happen. Tim Keller, again, I mentioned him just a moment ago, he uses this wonderful word, illustration when talking about this. It talks about the film The Step Stepford Wives. I don't know if anyone's seen the film The Stepford Wives. I'm going to... Massive spoiler coming up, but it's been out since like 2004. But the basic principle of this film is this, is that there's this town called Stepford, and all of the husbands have replaced their wives with robots. Basically, so that they're completely compliant. There's never any arguments, never any friction. It's always very much, yes, dear, I'll get that done, dear. Everything's tidy, everything's done as it should. Because these guys have done away with the things that caused them to be uncomfortable, or where there was conflict, or actually where there was anything where they might themselves need to change, they didn't want to, so instead they got rid of their wives and they replaced them with these robots that were totally compliant. And Tim Keller says this, sometimes we can come to God's word and we can say, well I'll accept that because I'm comfortable with that, and I'm okay with that. But actually with this bit, I'm going to leave that bit to the side because I, that doesn't, I don't feel comfortable with that. And that grates with me. And that means I'm going to have to change in a way I don't want to. And Tim Keller says, if we're not careful, what we do is that we end up with sort of a step, he said, we end up with a step for God who has been shaped to how we want him to be. And in a way, we can shape God's word to fit us rather than allowing the word to shape us, which is what we should be doing. When we're hearers and doers, we're allowing the word of God to change us and to shape us. But we have to approach it with meekness and with humility to say, actually, God, I'm finding this really difficult, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna just work my way through what your word says or what it is that you would say to me. So I mentioned just a moment ago that listening like this restrains, but listening like this also releases because it gives us freedom to grow into the people that God has called us to be. And God has allowed us to be through Jesus. I'm going to just draw to a close in just a moment. Maybe, Ben, can we, um, can we do one song at the end? Just that song you've got lined up, I think, would be a great way for us to, to, to finish. But this listening releases us. It doesn't lead to inactivity, it leads to action. And James gives us some examples, doesn't he, at the end, of what it looks like to be those who are good listeners... And therefore, after we've listened, we're good doers, we go and do what we've been called. And he says that if anyone thinks he is religious, does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. But religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It is listening, listening to God's word is not about, simply about having knowledge, and knowing the right answers to the questions. Listening works its way out in our interactions with God, but also with our neighbours. And here, James just gives us a few examples. He says, actually, if we are those who are good listeners, we will be those who have control over our tongues, over the words that we speak, over the way that we say them. But then he also says, doesn't he, that actually... A Christianity, a following of Jesus that is pure and undefiled before God is this, is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. 
Widows and orphans at the time uh, that James was writing would have been the most vulnerable people in that society. They had no structure, no network for anyone to care for them. They would have been the most vulnerable. And at, in, in that way, they would have been the, the most likely to have been taken advantage of. And they needed people to gather around and to care for them and to look after them. I love, actually, the wording that James, is, James uses. He says, doesn't he, about visiting the orphans and the widows and their affliction. It's about going and meeting them where they are, meeting the most vulnerable in the places where they are, finding them in their need, drawing alongside them, serving them, loving them, helping them, meeting their needs. And so actually this is what hearing and doing looks like. It looks like growing more and more to look like the Father. It means our hearts being shaped more and more to look like the Father's heart. So that the things that concern him are the things that concern us. The things that he gives himself to are the things that we give ourselves to. It's that recognition of we, we see how God has treated us and continues to treat us. And because of that, as a response to that, we therefore treat others in the same way. And we love others in the same way. If we as a family, as we as a church, have the right answers and we have good knowledge, but we are not getting alongside the vulnerable and the needy, we have missed something massive. And James pulls no punches, actually, does he? Because he says, if he's saying that religion that is pure and undefiled is about visiting those in need, then if we're not doing that, what does our religion or our Christianity look like before God? So actually, we need to heed, we need to heed James's words of what he is saying here. Because we need to be those who are not just hearers, but also doers. But that means we have to listen with humility and with meekness. And saying, God, would you shake me? Doesn't mean it's easy. It's not easy. To be meek and, and humble is not easy because we're saying, I know I'm gonna to have to change. And that doesn't always happen instantaneously. Sometimes it might take months or years. Maybe this side of glory, there'll be some things we never actually have fully worked our way through. But we, don't, we want to be moving in the right direction, don't we? We want to be making that progress. So just before we sing, I just want to ask you this question, something to think about as we go. Maybe there are more questions that have come up in your minds, but here's one for you. Is there anything that you know that God is speaking to you about? What are the things at this time that you know God is speaking to you about? And is there anything that is preventing you from doing so? Is there anything that is stopping you from being a doer of the word and is leaving you at the point of just being a hero? And I'm not, I, I want you to hear my heart in this. This isn't coming as a conviction word. I want this to come as a, a releasing word. That actually there are things perhaps that God is speaking to us about that we just, that there's something that needs to shift that takes us just from hearers into doers. But that takes time thinking actually is there anything that's stopping me being a doer and we need to identify those things and then in faith we need to, to press on and we need to be obedient to what God is calling us to it might be that actually there's something that you think I need to talk this through with someone I need some help I'm a little bit stuck in this find someone you trust maybe someone in your growth group uh, one of the leaders one of the elders whoever it may be someone that you know well who you can kind of journey through that with um, but let's keep pressing on and, and pursuing the good things that God has for us. Let's come and sing.
Majesty. Majesty. And let's come and just focus our, our attention and our worship once more uh, on the King of all kings. Because actually we want to go from this place uh, singing his praises because actually that's what we get to do through the week as well. We want to make him known, don't we, through the week in the places where he's called us to, among the people he has called us to as well.